I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh Yeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovei Torah Rabbinical School. We're dealing with the tshuvas of Rav Moshe Feinstein relating to the letter M, a medical ethics, and specifically tshuvas that have to do with actual questions of ethical principles within halacha and within medicine, and not just halacha as they relate to specific medical questions. Uh, and last episode, we did uh, we focused on autonomy, and this episode will be focusing on autonomy on patient autonomy as well. In the last episode, the issue was whether a patient has the right, who's terminal, has the right to choose to uh, forego a treatment that involves a certain degree of risk. And the treatment um, uh, might heal him, but it also might might cause his death even sooner. And Rav Moshe there says that even if the risk is a very small one, this is really the patient's discretion. He's not obligated, or the rabbis don't get to decide whether he has to do this to save his life because it has that potential. Ultimately, this is the patient's discretion. And Rav Moshe founded this on the principle that even though we often talk about the fact that our lives are not our own and that they are God, God has given us this life and we have to protect it and we don't have discretion to decide what to do with it, Rav Moshe said, actually, in this case, we do have discretion. We do have ownership over our life when there's a question about judgment and risk. Um, and uh, this is that an area that the Torah actually allowed us to decide. So that's a very powerful statement about patient autonomy, which is not found in other postgim. Um, in this episode, we're going to look at... Uh, a very related topic about patient autonomy and something that happens all the time, which is around end-of-life issues. And the question is that a patient is uh, terminal and actually presumed in the process maybe even of dying um, and in great pain and suffering. What is their uh, ability to choose to not intervene with various medical treatments, which will extend the life somewhat, but will uh, but will just continue in this state of pain and suffering? Um, and the way that's framed halachically is the question of, on the one hand, you have chaye sha'ah, uh, limited life left, um, and that means that the person is actually terminal. Um, and on the other hand, you have the reality of yisurin, of, of pain and suffering, and uh, the, which is obviously uh, horrific, and the Gemara even says in one place that uh, that pain and suffering can be a fate worse than death. Um, and there definitely are poskim, although a minority of poskim, who say that you're obligated to save life at all, co- at all costs, to intervene at all costs, even if it means extending a life of suffering. Um, many poskim do not say that, and of course among them are of Moshe, but it will be interesting to see how Rav Moshe really uh, strengthens and extends the idea of, pa- of patient autonomy uh, beyond what is found in other poskim. And we'll also see places where Rav Moshe puts a limit to patient autonomy and says that uh, the obligation to save life overrides and the patient does not have the right to choose. So we once again turn to the tshuva in Choshen Mishpat. 74.2, which is uh, Shuva that he, which is dated in, um, uh, excuse me, in Choshen Mishpat 274, which is to his son-in-law, Rav Moshe's son-in-law was Rav, Mo- was Rav Moshe Tendler, um, and this is dated in ni- from 1984. And here he's clarifying topics in a letter that he wrote to a uh, to um, to a group of doctors about principles in terms of dealing with end-of-life patients. And the first issue he deals with is exactly what we said. Um, this is so again 274 subsection one. Nitinat trufot lachole, giving uh, various uh, medications to a to a sick person. You're never going to heal his underlying condition. And this won't serve to make his suffering any less. But it will cause to extend his life. 
and we will see um, that we start with an issue about somebody who is terminal, but Rav Moshe then will even consider cases where he is not terminal, and still it's a question of extending a life of suffering or allowing a death to take place. Um, and then Rav Moshe says the following in terms of introducing this issue. He says, I don't even understand the question. This is quite obvious. If they don't know how to do anything to heal the underlying condition and not even to alleviate the suffering, he says, but it only extends the life somewhat. They should not give him uh, these medications, uh, these treatments. So Rav Moshe here actually says that our obligation, forget for a moment patient discretion, our obligation is to allow a death to take place so, and rather than to inter- intervene and to extend a life of suffering. Um, and this is obviously a very uh, powerful and counterintuitive to some degree idea within the general uh, thrust of the halachic system. For example, Rav Shlomo Zalman when asked about the same question, says, like most posts can do, that you don't have to intervene um, if the patient is terminal and suffering. Um, but at the same time, he says, you should try and does, uh, you know, if, the, if the patient is terminal and suffering and does not wish to have the interventions take place. But at the same time, he says that you should try to persuade the patient to choose to have the interventions take place because even one minute in this world is worth the entire world to come, even if that minute is in suffering. Um, so that, uh, that is, gives an area for discretion, even though there's a bias that, of the way we want him to choose. Rav Moshe here goes even further and says that actually the bias is in the opposite direction. We so understand what it means to live in, in suffering that it, it, the, the, the right thing to do is to not intervene, even if you don't know um, what the sick person uh, what what the sick person wants, what the patient wants. And Rav Moshe uh, supports this from the famous story in the Gemara with the Rebbe's death. And it said that Rebbe was experiencing tremendous uh, pain and suffering, and his students were out praying for him to live and for his life to be extended. And Rebbe's maidservant, who was able to really see his profound suffering, threw down uh, you know, a, uh, a pot and the, it crashed and it interrupted the prayers of the students and this allowed Rebbe to pass away uh, because the prayers were not preventing his death. Um, and Rav Moshe says it's clear from this story, you know, that the Gemara's sympathies are with the maidservant. The Gemara is basically saying a terminal patient who's suffering it's the right choice is to allow this person to die, to not intervene with the death. We often talk about prolonging life, but there's also a concept of postponing death. And I might add that, you know, the, from the Gemara story, it's the maidservant who's able to appreciate this because she's there with Rebbe. She's not dealing as some rabbi or rabbinical student that's just talking, thinking theoretically. She actually sees the profound pain and suffering of Rebbe, and she knows what, what must be done, what the right action are. And I think we could certainly say the same about Rav Moshe Feinstein. You know, it's one thing when you discuss this in theory. It's another thing when you, in practice, really understand the suffering that people can go through and how that can affect your understanding of what the right course of action is. So this is the first position of Rav Moshe, that the doctors should not intervene in this case. And of course, this comes up every day. This is always the question about signing, you know, um, a DNR, um, you know, or a DNI, do not intervene. Um, And uh, according to Rav Moshe, it is clear that under circumstances such as this, uh, a patient should be giving directions for DNR and DNI. We'll see more about this in a little bit. 
of course, this is an issue that comes up every day. It's about issuing a DNR or DNI, do not resuscitate, do not intervene. And um, according to Rev Moshe, this is definitely the choice that a patient should make. Um, it's actually what the doctors should make as well. Um, and when somebody is dying and, uh, and is in suffering, then the right choice is to not resuscitate and to not intervene. Now, um, Rav Moshe goes on to, uh, to, to show support of this from a famous Ramah that talks about, similarly about, uh, we, that we actively sometimes will remove an impediment of death, that we do everything we can to prolong life. But if somebody is in the process of dying, we also do not postpone death. And we actually get out of the way so that a death can take place. So Rav Moshe brings this as evidence. And then he says, but it's important to understand what the principle is at play um, and that it seems that the only makes sense in terms of, of the idea that the patient is suffering. And because of the suffering, we, uh, we would prefer that, he, uh, that we allow nature to take its course and that he die rather than to extend it. Um, but if there's no suffering, says Rav Moshe, it's not so clear what the halacha would be. Now, this is very relevant because let's say you're dealing with a case, same story, somebody is terminal, but they're also unconscious. Um, according to Rav Moshe, can you choose to not intervene in that case? Can we assume that because there's no suffering, let's do everything we can to extend life? Now, you can argue that, and some do argue, that maybe the, the patient still is suffering even if they're not conscious, um, and, that's, and that's still a reality. Um, Rav Moshe says the following in terms of this. He says, so the first thing he says is, you know, in that case that he's unconscious, even though we started with a discussion of suffering. So regarding this, Rav Moshe says, that, that even though our point of departure was that it's because of the suffering that allows us to um, desire a death rather than to intervene and extend the suffering, it's possible that even when there's no suffering, um, there's not an obligation to save a life. Um, or excuse me, even when there's no suffering, there's not an ob obligation to intervene to extend a life by a brief amount of time when one is not actually saving a life. That the biblical mitzvah to save a life for Apo Yirape, says Rav Moshe, might only be when it's possible to actually heal the patient. And that might not create an obligation to extend a life even when there's no suffering, which is, again, very relevant if the patient is unconscious. And then he goes on and says, When there's no suffering, we maybe should not intervene and you know, actively do something that will allow the patient to die more, more quickly. But he leaves very much open the possibility that we can be passive and choose to not intervene even when there is no suffering. So here Rav Moshe, although we haven't really seen yet the issue of autonomy, we do see a real profound sensitivity to the subjective reality of the patient and what it means to be living a life of suffering, to even be living a little longer, and that the right choice is to not intervene and to allow the patient to die. And that even there's a question about whether we always have a mandate to, to extend life when it's not saving life, um, even when there's possibly no suffering, he leaves open that possibility of non-intervention and allowing a death to take place. Now he does turn to a place where patient uh, autonomy or patients the patient's desire does play a role. Um, and the first thing he looks at is when a patient wants um, intervention um, rather, uh, rather than wanting to be allowed to die. Now, of course, if a patient actually says, I would choose to live a life even of suffering and I want my life extended at all, 
all costs. Um, of course, in that case, he, you know, he's the one that has the subjective experience of suffering. So, of course, we would follow that. But Rav Moshe deals with a slightly different case. And he says the following. He says... Um, that doctors, as said, should not give do intervention and should not give medicine if it's not going to do any good and it's not going to alleviate suffering. But then he says, um, If the sick person actually is alleviated, mentally alleviated by the fact that you're doing some intervention, you know, some people feel like, how can you stand around and do nothing? I want you to give me X, Y, and Z. So even though the doctor is saying, you know, X, Y, and Z isn't going to do anything for you, um, sometimes for Moshe says, you you know, if the patient is anxious about that or desires it, you actually should do what the patient wants. Obviously, if it's not going to hurt, even but even if it's completely not going to help, um, because this will uh, help the patient in a, in terms of his psychological state of mind. It will calm the patient down. And Rav Moshe then says, um, This is a a, a sort a, a, this is a proof text that Rav Moshe uses a number of times in terms of giving power to patient autonomy or the patient's desire. And he says, we see in the Gemara, the Gemara is dealing with somebody who's on their deathbed, and uh, the Gemara understands that if you don't listen to what that person is asking for, the aggravation or the anxiety could hasten the death. And Rav Moshe therefore brings that in um, a great deal in terms of these issues to force us to pay attention to the desires of the patient. So this is another, I would call it, approach that Rav Moshe has relating to autonomy. Last episode, we saw that it was about the patient's fundamental right to his life under certain circumstances and to make those choices. Um, that's a very principled position. And here we see a slightly more indirect way, but that if the patient's desires are not listened to, that could cause, even if we think it's trivial and stupid, that could cause anxiety, distress, and so on, which would hasten a death. And therefore, we have to always, we don't think that's a little concern for Moshe, but we almost always have to give primacy to that concern and to listen to what the patient wants. So now we'll look at other parts of the tshuva where Rav Moshe deals with both aspects of patient autonomy and where the patient has a right to choose, um, and also cases where that autonomy is limited. So first we look here later on in the, in the tshuva where he deals with, um, in section two of this tshuva, where he deals with the question of treating secondary conditions. This happens all the time. Somebody is terminal, dying of cancer, and then they get the flu. And if you don't intervene um, in terms of the flu and cure the, the flu, the patient will die of the flu. And the patient wants to die, so the same way they can choose to uh, not intervene in terms of the cancer and to allow the death to take place, can they also choose to not have the secondary condition, the, fl the flu, um, treated? And here's what Rav Moshe says, You can extend this patient's light, life, um, but you're not obviously going to uh, restore him to, a nor to the normal length of life. Um, now, let's say he gets a secondary condition. And treating that secondary condition will not heal the, the primary condition um, and the suffering that he has from that primary condition. So, he, so you might say, so let him die. He's in suffering. And Rav Moshe said, you can let some, somebody can choose to die if they're in suffering and if they're terminal. But Rav Moshe says, no, here you can't because he's not going to die from the thing that is actually killing him. He's going to die from a highly, of a very treatable flu. Um, 
He says, We definitely have an obligation to, uh, to treat this secondary condition. Now, why? Whatever happened to good old patient autonomy in Rav Moshe? So here he says the following. He says, Normal people, if they have some underlying illness and then they get a secondary one and they can be healed from the secondary one, everybody wants to be healed from the secondary illness. No normal person doesn't want the flu treated, you know, if they also have some underlying uh, condition and some secondary illness. Um, Even if the secondary condition isn't causing any pain, the natural thing of people is they want to be healed. If they're sick, they want to be healed. And even if healing them from this issue, from this problem, will not heal them from their other, you know, more profound illness or cancer, whatever it might be. People want to be healed from what it's possible to, from things that they can that they can recover from. So this person says, "I don't want to be healed from the flu, okay? Because I want to be able to die." So he says, "Ain't show me low." You do not listen to him because he is asking for something that is out of the range of what normal people would want. Now, this is very important. Rav Moshe limits in fundamentally the choice of autonomy, that you don't have the ability to choose something that we think is um, out of the range of the type of judgment or latitude that we might imagine that the Torah would give you in these cases where it's about judgment call and discretion and competing values and so on. Um, and therefore, because no normal person would choose this, your desire for this choice that's, you know cannot be recognized within halacha. It's not considered an, a legitimate uh, exercise of autonomy. It's not considered a legitimate choice. Um, and that's really important that it gets li- it's limited by those factors. Now, of course, one could ask, you know, is this really true of all people that are dying of cancer and that are in pain, that they don't want, that, you know, that they would want to be healed from the flu? Maybe not. Um, so why don't we look more specifically at these, con- at the specific context and say it is a reasonable choice in this context. But Rav Moshe is saying, look, at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're choosing to let the flu kill you. And normal people don't make a choice to let the flu kill them. So that is not an acceptable choice, um, even though the context would explain why you are choosing that. So here we see for, from Rav Moshe the limits sometimes of patient autonomy. So here we have a limit to the idea of patient autonomy when the choice is outside the normal range of what any, any sort of reasonable person would choose. Now, Rav Moshe at the end of the tshuva deals with another case with the limits and the sort of and the extent of, of patient autonomy. Uh, he had ruled that you're obligated to give a, to uh, intubate a patient and to give a patient oxygen, uh, even if the patient wants to die, because uh, oxygen will alleviate the suffering. So since the whole calculus here is about the suffering, you're obligated to give the patient the oxygen. But what about inserting a feeding tube? Are you obligated to do that? That's something that doesn't really alleviate the suffering. And maybe the patient, we should consider this like any other medical intervention and does not want this and wants to be allowed to die. So if Moshe says, like this. You definitely have to feed him the things that are not going to hurt him. First of all, even if he doesn't feel it, giving the feeding to will, you know, will, will give him some more strength um, and therefore will help him in some of his suffering, even if he doesn't recognize it. He cannot choose to uh, refuse this. Now, that's point number one. But then he makes the bigger point. That seems to be a side point. Okay? And then he says, Vatampashut, 
if this is, and really he says this is not, should not be seen as a medical intervention. It's really not relevant to the earlier discussion. Why? He says eating is natural. The desire for food and nutrition is something that every human being needs. And once that's true, he says, and because feeding is a natural thing, this goes back to the point he made before. Normal people do not refuse food. And therefore, he does not have a right to choose to refuse it. Also, from our perspective, if you remember, Rav Moshe said, you're not supposed to intervene. Forget the patient choice. You're supposed to let a patient die. But he says, this is not a medical intervention. Withholding food or not giving somebody food is seen as fundamentally not feeding a starving person. So the same way sort of with the flu, he said, you have to focus on the flu and treat the flu. Here you have to focus on the fact that he needs to eat and you have an obligation to feed him. And it's not seen as a medical intervention. So that, again, is a limit to the ability to choose, similar to the issue before about the flu. But now he extends the ability to choose and he says the following. He says, He says, let's say um, that the person is really being forced, meaning there's two ways that you can say you do it against somebody's will. One is, is that you persuade them and pressure them. And Rav Moshe says, that would be acceptable, that you really should persuade and pressure. But he says, let's say the person absolutely adamantly refuses. Um, and you would actually have to hold him down, you know, against his will, restrain him, and to feed him. In that case, that you should not do, right? Um, if somebody is an adult and has the ability to make a, a you know, to make a choice, especially if he thinks that this feeding is going to hurt him. Okay, why? And why do you not have to, ha- excuse me, and why is this? Why should, are you not allowed to force it on the person? Because he says, and again, he quotes the idea of the shchiv of the person in the deathbed, that when you don't listen to their desire, that then this will just aggravate the condition and hasten the death. And therefore, if Moshe says, it's one thing to say we should pressure a person to make a choice, in the end, they're agreeing to it. And it's another thing to say we should force a choice on a person. And that we cannot do because that will aggravate, um, the, that will aggravate the person's mental state and will possibly hasten the death. So again, what we're seeing is Rav Moshe uses this idea of shchiv meira, the deathbed and the mental state, to create an opportunity for patient autonomy. And even though he said that we don't have a right to choose things that are against normal choices that people make, we don't have a right not to tr- not treat the flu or, not, or to refuse food, but if the person is still making that choice and insisting on it and it would require forcing the person to undergo it, there of Moshe says we will respect that choice because of this reason of aggravating his condition, but ultimately it's an avenue to respect his, his choice and his autonomy. Um, and, but because of this balance, Rav Moshe says, if it's possible to do it without the patient being aware, then obviously you're still obligated to do it. Um, and then he opens up once more another opportunity for patient choice, and he says, And if, however, if you're not sure of the expertise of the doctor, here's another case where you should not try to you know, force a person, pressure a person to do it. He says, only if it's universally understood that doing this will not cause injury. So what, here again is an avenue to give room for patient autonomy by saying maybe the doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. Now, obviously you can't say that in a case where something is universally understood um, or the doctor is an expert. But if there's any room to raise a question or a doubt, and often there is, Rav Moshe says, well, then here again, by forcing something on a person, you know, that can actually do more harm than good. 
and here the person has a right to choose. So what we have seen in these two vote, in this chuva, is a, first of all, central critical issues of end of life, independent of the issues of autonomy. That Ramosha says allowing somebody to die is the right choice over extending uh, a brief life that will be filled with, su- that will ha- be filled with suffering um, if a person is in the process of dying. And later in the chuva, he even deals with cases where the person isn't in the process of dying. That's the right choice to make. Um, and then he goes on to say that, um, that there are cases about where we respect autonomy and cases where we limit autonomy. The cases where we respect autonomy was one in which the patient was choosing um, to have a treatment done, even though it would be of no benefit, but that would settle the patient's mind. Uh, that perhaps is no real chiddush, there's no real innovation in that. Um, and then there are cases where we limit autonomy. You can't make choices that normal people would not make to allow the flu to kill you, to refuse uh, a feeding tube. However, here's in, here in the end, Rav Moshe once again opens that path of of autonomy and choice by saying, drawing on the idea of the shchiv meirav, the person in the deathbed, and saying that if we refuse to listen to a person and force something on them, that could aggravate their condition, and therefore, in those situations, we really have to respect their choice. Or if there's some question as to the advice of the doctors, again, something we cannot force on patients and respect their choice. So in these two ways, in the last tshuva, fundamentally, that there are areas where the Torah gives us fundamental discretion in cases that are judgment cases about whether it's right to take the risk or not. And in this chuva, about often using a different approach about uh, how refusing to listen to a patient will will um, create anguish and could possibly hasten the death, Rav Moshe gives another basis for patient autonomy. I'd like to just end this discussion by one paragraph in this chuva, which speaks so much to uh, Rav Moshe's uh, sensitivity to the issues and understanding uh, the weight of the issues and also the inability to, to say simply, here's the halacha and every case should follow it, but to understand that every case has to be judged on its own terms. And we'll end with this paragraph. This is in the end of section and he says the following. I went at length to explain this. He says, in general, in any area of halacha, you know, it, you, you have to invest very seriously to clarify a matter that is, uh, that is not clear. Um, okay, first of all, you have to really delve deeply in a case, in a halachic issue that is uh, complex. Number one, um, more than that, we're dealing here with a case where the application is of huge consequence. We're dealing with death, life and death. Um, uh, says, number one, first of all, there's, there's the post really understanding the circumstances. It's not enough to know the principle. How do you apply the principle in this case? That requires a lot of close attention um, and, you know, and serious judgment and weight. And we're dealing with an issue of pikuach nefesh v'chayatam, a human life. So Rav Moshe says, you know, you got to take these issues very, very seriously. I've delved into them, um, and it's clear that his chuvot reflect a high sensitivity to understanding the realities of the suffering and the realities of the subjective experience of the patient. And therefore, don't just apply these principles in what I lay down in a sort of um, mechanical way. He says, when you have to deal with a case, tzarech l'kabetz kol tamidei chachamim she'efshar, b'tzir 
You have to gather, get as many medical opinions and as many halachic opinions. That's reasonably possible. And then we can hope that God will help us make the right decision. So it's fascinating. Here I am, Rav Moshe Feinstein, I've given you the parameters, and I'm saying, don't just apply what I said mechanically. Every case is different. This is a huge issue of human life, and you have to, you know, consult with rabbis, consult with doctors before you make any decision here. So in these two votes, we've seen Rav Moshe giving a foundation for patient autonomy, which until this was very limited and rare within halacha, and it's really a huge innovation of Rav Moshe in the issue of medical ethics. And we've seen how a lot of that is rooted in Rav Moshe's sensitivity like the maidservant of Rebbe to the reality of suffering and the reality of the state of the patient. Um, and he's given a foundation for this within the halachic system. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dove Linzer, now celebrating over 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Chovavei Torah and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center for Halachic Studies. With close to 150 rabbis in the field, YCT is leading and inspiring Kalal Israel with a Torah that is nuanced, compassionate, and contemporary. Check out yctorah.org to learn more.